Hey folks, Steve Wiest here again, and here we are again with another episode of the Leadology Podcast. Man, oh man, this is so cool, so much fun. You dig? Here we are in a place talking about trombone, and what is this place? It's a podcast. Man, it's about time the podcast universe established something for the perfect instrument, the trombone, and and the perfect people, trombonists. Can I have a high D flat? Yeah, that's right. D flat on trombone. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Such a good note. And you know, when you're doing, when you're putting together a podcast at home, you just never know who's going to show up. Hey, look who's here. It's my wife, Deborah. Hi, podcast. Bye, podcast. Oh, bye-bye. Yeah, I know, right? It was sweet. So, all throughout this show, you're going to hear myself and John Marcellus uh, talking about Isria Butler Standard Time, which uh, is a fallacy. I need to clear that up right now. Isria was early to the show. Uh, it was us. Myself and John, who had uh, the misconception, I told Israel three o'clock his time, which is two hours earlier than Central and three hours earlier than Eastern. So, whoops, time is relative and um, something I guess I don't grasp that well. So Israel was early, man. And there was a mystery guest, somebody who did not unmute didn't say anything, didn't start the video, and the only thing that was on the screen was salt peanuts. Ominous, yet kind of swinging. So that sparked some conversation, followed by a discussion of a Dizzy Gillespie clinic, followed by some questions about my dear friend Maynard Ferguson. So let's go check it all out, and we're going to start right in the midst of the the strangeness that was salt peanuts. Get into a bonus discussion with Dr. John Marcellus about air efficiency and his take on that. Uh, get into a deep dive about Maynard Ferguson and how he did what he did. Um, gets into black holes and event horizons and scary. Uh, along with uh, a bit of time spent with Dave Loeb as he joined us early on, unknowingly. And then we'll get back to Israel Butler. So here we go. Salt peanuts. That's it. Did you ever hear that recording of Jimmy Carter, the president with Dizzy Gillespie? And it was hilarious. He, uh, I guess Jimmy was a big jazz fan. So here they're playing, and he was better, better, but up, but up. And then Jimmy Carter went, salt peanut, salt peanut. <laughs> Dizzy finally added the goobers towards the end of it. But I got to find that video. It's, it's hilarious. Well, salt peanuts is still muted. It's a mystery. You know, I, I uh, got to see dizzy a couple of times you know got to meet him because uh everybody came out to hang out with maynard when i was on the road and uh uh but right before i met him that way i went out to a clinic i drove to, a, to he was in alabama or something and i was in mississippi at the time so i drove all the way out to see him with some friends and we're in line after this astounding clinic it was a brilliant wonderful presentation that he did it was all about rhythms and and, and uh, rhythmic subdivisions and he demonstrated with his hands with a, a method that Chano Pazzo the great conga player showed him it was wonderful but I'm standing in line and the guy right in front of me had a piece of manuscript paper and gave to him said could I get your autograph and and Dizzy wrote uh, he put in night in Tunisia yeah and, and he's walking away I said oh man you got another piece of paper and he just ripped off a corner and I gave that to Dizzy and I said man I want some of that and he wrote but it'll up it up but it but it up 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 
So I have that. I've got it somewhere here in the room. That's sweet. Isn't that cool? Uh, yeah. And, and he wrote it in G, so it was transposed for trumpet, which I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> so that's that's my dizzy story. Well, the mysterious salt peanuts is still on is still muted, so we're, we're, we may never know who that is. It's a mystery. It's the mystery guest. Oh, he's gone. He left. He was trolling us for a moment, got his story about Dizzy, and left. Oh, well. <laughs> curiouser and curiouser. Uh, well, okay. I want to uh, entertain you good folks while you're here until Israel gets here. Any other questions? You had, John, you got any minor questions or anything? Or? Yeah. What, uh, yeah. He was such a, a giant, you know. What did he do as far as his practicing was concerned that you know of? That, to me, that he was the absolute, I got to work with Doc Severinsen as well, and he was the absolute opposite of Doc. Doc was, is, it was a guy who buzzed his mouthpiece constantly <clears throat> and practiced all day long, and, and Maynard would almost not touch his horn at all. And then when he did, he'd warm up on his mouthpiece a little bit, and then he just had a little routine that he did that was some funny melodies that he'd play and uh never really heard him on the road practicing as such you know he may have in his room with a practice mute but uh i never heard him really he just kind of warmed up on his mouthpiece yeah yeah, yeah. and then he played enough to stay in shape i guess i guess <clears throat> so yeah he because the first day of rehearsals he would sound great he would sound fantastic in fact, when we would get off the road, we'd go play with some other band and hear a great trumpet soloist and say, wow, this, this guy sounds as good as Maynard. He sounds wonderful. Then you go back and hear Maynard's sound and go, oh, oh, right. That's right. That's a, a whole different sound, man. His, to stand next to him, I mean, it, when we would swap fours or play a melody together, his intake of air was so profound. I felt like I was on the event horizon of a black hole like i was getting sucked in. <laughs> amazing <laughs> amazing then he'd let he'd let rip man and i think his uh his air was so proficient going the other way that his his lips never touched his teeth even though the mouthpiece was slammed into his face yeah so it was my only guess um, amazing yeah yeah totally amazing <clears throat> and his his favorite brass player by far was was bud herseth that was his man uh-huh yeah, he really loved, uh, really loved him. And uh, maybe from, his favorite. From the, from the pictures I've seen, uh, is he a, a Maynard and Upstream player? Like in, in the boy? Yeah, like in the, in, in, it, right. In the low register, he definitely was. He had, he had a whole, uh -huh. his low notes, his bell would be pointing up. But yeah. uh, <clears throat> in the upper register and stuff, maybe a little bit. But it was it was fairly parallel uh, when he was in the uh -huh. screaming register, um, uh -huh. and he had this funny thing that he did. He had a uh, kind of a falsetto thing, like he would be strong all the way up to a double C and can play play these wonderful operatic romantic lines. And then uh, if he ever got a cut on his lip or something, or or some uh, cold sore or something. And if he was off, then he would just take everything up an octave with this little falsetto register and, <laughs> and still get a standing ovation. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. What a show, showman he was. Oh, man. Well, uh, I can uh, uh, ask something from you, Dr. Marcellus, while we have you here. Uh, I get a, a bonus double dip here. So, uh, what is your synopsis one take on air efficiency and the improving thereof well there's no doubt that uh, like you mentioned with um, maynard taking in a great amount of air that there's no doubt about it your capacity is a very important thing hmm. to increase that capacity for some people um my lessons with uh, jacobs in chicago yeah. Uh, well, he put me on that big tube with the uh, wash tub going into a, another wash tub on bottom filled with water. So you'd suck out the air. Mm. And uh, so I did it once. And that little uh, machine went down maybe an inch or two. 
And he says, no, do it this way. <clears throat> and he, he pulled that son of a gun all over Oh, <laughs> wow. So, and I said, well, how, how are you doing that? He says, well, you've got to increase your rib cage all the way around it. And where we <clears throat> fail to expand enough is down on the lower part of the rib cage. Oh, he would take the breath from the lower part up. Yeah, so making sure that it was full a uh, full breath, but mm. making sure that the lower ribs were more extended outward uh -huh. in inhaling. Wow. Of course, you, you can't do that in a, a very quick breath so, so yeah. often, so you do have to have a lot of time to do that. Wow. But he, the efficiency he... of the outflow is mm. the real critical part of that. Ah, uh. And, and I guess, you know, with the amount of air that Maynard had in his body, he was able to create an air pressure mm -hmm. that were able, that was able to play those extreme high triple octaves, you know. Right. And it was uh, it it almost had a it had a visceral effect when you stood right next to him. It felt yeah. like it kind of felt like yeah. lightning. It's the same feeling when lightning goes yeah. off and he would let rip on those notes. So there was a huge amount of kinetic energy happening when he would do that there's not a lot of volume of air it's air under compression air ah. pressure mm -hmm. so it's really a slow <clears throat> speed of air under a lot of compression that ah. helps the upper register wow well he certainly had it my and my theory is that it was uh it was kind of a natural setup for him he would have to make up things to describe it i think you know every time i heard him do a clinic it Sounded kind of funny, but uh, I, I think... Well, that's true. It's very difficult for anybody to describe what goes on physically as I, you're playing, you know. Mm -hmm. It is. I've, I found it very difficult as I was writing my book just to try to describe the most efficient uh, and relaxed way to produce some of that, you know, high-intensity <laughs> outtake, you know, like you said, of air, the air going yeah. the other direction. But it really is a... Uh, I don't know. I really liken it to a lightning bolt. We'll see what <laughs> it's, it really felt like. That you know, first it's the uh, first it's the event horizon, and then it's the lightning bolt. It was a science fiction movie every time playing with Maynard Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the things that we learn from him were were also just like any great leader or mentor, such as yourself. You end up learning uh, things that are beyond music. You know, and with Maynard, it was how to. How to treat people with respect and uh, uh, egalitarian kind of approach to everybody. Um, exactly. And <clears throat> one thing that I just shared with somebody recently, and uh, so I was a student of watching, just watching Maynard, how he approached life and how he treated people and how what he did on stage and all of that. And I noticed uh, I'd be on the bus, the show would be over, and there'd be a line of people, fans that would want uh, to meet him, shake his hand and get an autograph. We would stay, no matter how late it was, we'd stay till the whole line was taken care of every single time. So I took note of that. And then I also noticed that when he spoke to people, for instance, I uh, saw a trumpet player come up once and say, oh, Mr. Ferguson, I just love you. You're my hero. I want to sound just like you. And this was in uh, 1985, 86 or so. So the the big uh, person on the scene then was Wynton Marcellus. He had just started becoming a, a fashionably famous person. So Maynard said, uh, oh, you know, I really, uh, I appreciate that uh, uh, with a lot of love, but uh, you know, you should check out Wynton Marcellus. Have you heard him? And he would always direct these people to somebody else. So, and this is a true story because it was just told to me recently. Uh, I had a, a, a solo on one of the tunes that had a big cadenza and so i was young and foolish so i was doing all kinds of daffy duck licks and bells and whistles and things on my little cadenza and a kid in the audience was so impressed he came up afterwards and said oh mr weist i just love what you did i want to sound just like you so i thought up oh, here's my chance i'll do like maynard so i said well thank you i really appreciate that and i love you so much for having told me that but I want you to check out this guy, Curtis Fuller, you know, really go and listen to some of the things he did. And 
that little kid was Steve Davis. How about that? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So he checked out Curtis Fuller and Slide Hampton and JJ. And wow. So, yeah, Steve told me that recently. And uh, so it just goes <laughs> to show never know who you're talking with. All right. Well, how about that for a wide ranging conversation? All kinds of good stuff. Well, here we are at the commercial break where I'd like to talk about our one and only sponsor, Leadology Volume 1. It's the book that all of this is built around, and uh, Volume 1 seems to suggest there'll be a Volume 2. And that's correct, there will be. This first one is just uh, the foundation of playing lead trombone. In that, it gets into the concept of relaxed yet highly efficient air usage. Ah, that's Mike Williams, the swamp dog on that recording there of Cheek to Cheek. Uh, anyway, and that is from my first album, Excalibur. Okay, so getting back to the book, yeah, we get into um, warm-ups and gliss tones and lip slurs, daily maintenance things that help to uh, foster a uh, relaxed approach to this high-intensity thing of expanding our registers. After that, I get into uh, some things that I call legato etudes. Mike? Yeah, Mike Williams again. Um, and these are progressive in nature in that there's 30 of them. It starts out with entry-level, intermediate, and then advanced. And this is a, a, a fun way with backing tracks by a fantastic rhythm section of Dave Bayless, Dennis Carroll, and Joey Scotch um, that you can find on the website. Everything's on the website, including um, uh, a portal to purchase this book. And I, and I wish you would, and all your friends, uh, because as I've mentioned before, anytime the trombonist can make a little money, an angel gets its wings and you just feel better about yourself and life in general so go to the website leadtrombone.com pick up volume number one because along with all the other things I've mentioned but wait there's more yes there is analysis of lead trombone playing my lead trombone playing and why I chose what I did in various recorded situations and how I did what I did. So there's that for style analysis, and then we get into Clark Terry's Emulate, Assimilate, and You Will Innovate, which is the same thing that we do for improvisation, but that's for lead styles. And the most important thing that I've left out, 30 cartoon strips. Are you hip? And you'll be able to answer that question when you read those cartoon strips. It's all throughout the book. So. Pick one up, pick a bunch up, and enjoy. And now, let's get back to the podcast. I believe we start with Dave Loeb. Here we go. Well, it's just, it's just Dave Loeb. Dave Loeb, what's up, man? I'll put you on speaker. Can you recognize this voice? Dave Loeb, what's going on? Steve Steve Weist here. Steve, whoa, how you doing? Great. We're just we're all we're having a uh, Israel Butler party with no Israel. We're just over here weeping and moaning. <laughs> oh, he's right here. I'm looking at him. Yeah. It's not late, am I? Well, no, not not really, I'll say kindly. Only 50 minutes late. <laughs> you knocked it out of the park. Your chart was great. Oh, good. I'm glad that worked out. I wrote Thank up a thing that. for, uh, for Greg Bizanet to play. We got, a, we got a video of it. If you ever want it, we got, I got to get it, get them to download it and stuff like that. But yeah, it was great. Really good. Well, thank you. you. Know? I can't wait to see it. I hope Greg yeah, had a great, great time. Yeah, we worked perfectly. You know, we just had a one quick run through on it, and that was it. But it was it was great. So appreciate that. My, My pleasure. Chicago to Fort Collins, so I won't get to see you this time. Oh, you guys doing the Midwest though, right? Midwest players. Yeah, yeah. I'll be there doing a clinic with a trombone band, and of course, Israel is there with Gateways. So uh, 
going to be a hang. Yeah, I won't be there. I'm going to be in Colorado with the, with the grandkids. That what that time I came over to the University of Denver to see you, we had lunch. Pat Matheny was there uh, that day. Oh, that's you know, right. So, with Yeah, with Pat Matheny. Yeah, my son was in Denver. He was in charge of Smash Burger Marketing. Then now he's with uh, Cuba Hut. He moved up before Collins. But that's when I came to see you that time. You, you know what, Dave? You are you have now been on the uh, Leadology podcast. Can you guys, the two Johns here, can you hear Dave talking? I can. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you're you've been recorded on the podcast, man. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is this is Dave Loeb. He's in charge of uh, jazz at UNLV, the award-winning jazz ensemble there, and that's who we're talking to. Well, great. Well, thanks. I'm honored to be on Leadology. I'm not a not a lead player, but uh, I don't know how much you count piano, but, you know, that's but well, we like <laughs> great lead players. We need them. That's right, man. You're, you're not a lead player, but you are the only alien piano player that I know. So There you go. I can claim that one for sure. You know, I definitely had to do that. He was on yeah. He was on the Orville. Uh, which, do you remember which episode or which season? Well, I, know, I know it was second season, and it was uh, the opening show. Uh, and Bordas has to go do his annual urination uh, ceremony. Oh, that's right. That's what I was planned for. Well, I mean, the whole episode, but, and they were, everybody was pairing up. They had to go like, you know, get together and go out and watch him do this at the edge of a cliff once yes. a year. I, I remember it. it well. It's, uh, I have many friends who have the same problem, but that's a whole other story. Well, this is a, yeah, this is a, this is a, they, that's their deal on whatever that planet was where it's all men. Right. And, right. Uh, you know, well, so that was, for those of you that aren't sure what, what Dave's talking about, it's Seth MacFarlane's wonderful science fiction show called the Orville. And yes. uh, Dave plays piano occasionally for them and it, yeah. any number of other things with that studio, I would think. Thanks. And then we're going to play for Seth uh, on the 30th here in Ve Las Vegas. In fact, Dr. Butler here is on it. We're going to play uh, 55 piece orchestra. He's going to sing a lot of the Sinatra book, you know. Uh, oh, that's a great show. I've heard some of that. So he asked me to get the orchestra for him and all that kind of stuff. So we're Beautiful. That's coming up in a few days and uh, we're, we're on the case. And, you know, we're, we're looking forward to the Jazz Education Network convention. Our jazz ensemble was performing on January 4th at 3 p.m. If anybody's there, and I think it's called the Visions Ballroom, and uh, Great. it'll be, be a good set. A lot of original charts by the students. We, we kind of we push that around here. That's one of our that's one of our uh, you know focuses here. That's, and uh, this feels like a real podcast now. It's like you're promoting a book, uh, getting your plug in for the new movie. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, you got to do it right. It's, that's it. That's shameless self-promotion you know you have but, to uh, you have to uh, nowadays so shameful and shameless but i will we will see seth in a few days and catch up with him you know he's multi-talented faceted you know well, give him and, give him a big hug from all of us i just love everything that he does and and i love that he insists on a studio orchestra for everything that he does full of human beings that's wonderful absolutely he won't do it without it you know i mean that's you great know, and he's He's even bringing a Chalessa in from L.A. He doesn't want to sit to Chalessa. He wants the real deal. So Wow. Good for him, man. They're bringing that in. We're, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be quick, but hopefully everybody uh, stays safe and doesn't test positive for COVID. Otherwise, you have to replace him, whoever it is, me or whatever. So, right, right. Know, well, he's, he's doing great stuff, and we all appreciate him. Yeah, he sure is. He loves possession. He plays piano pretty well himself, actually. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Okay, that was uh, the quality of Dave's voice. You might be wondering, wow, is this guy like a robot or something? And he's not. Uh, as I mentioned, he is an alien, but uh, not a robot. What that was was that uh, uh, Dave and Isria were on the phone, on an iPhone, my iPhone, not just any iPhone. And I had that up to the microphone. You know, spare no expense here at Weastworld. Eventually, uh, we got both Dave and Isria onto the podcast, the Zoom meeting, and let's rejoin when we did connect and the uh, audio quality got better. I, I tried to catch up on a little bit of that, but and Bill Dobbins and Ray Wright, you know, studied with them there. Um, yep. I think I was the first in the Masters, 
well, the first grad assistant, Bob Shepard and I in the set, late seventies. Wow. Bob Shepard's pretty good musician. That's uh -oh. for sure. Sound okay. like you're muted. I, I, no, I hear him. Looks like yeah. you're frozen. Oh, technical oh, difficulties. Stand by. We'll be back after these announcements. There they there are. Come. You're working. There he is. <laughs> I that's, see. That's Dave Loeb. He looks a lot different without the prosthetics. Yeah, I got to get that mask on. It was two and a half hours to have that thing that's put great. on. Yeah. See, and I'm a sci-fi yeah. nut, man. So anytime we can talk about anything sci-fi, I'm on it. I had to play that. Seth wanted me. I pre-recorded the time goes by thing in the morning and he, he wanted me to do it live so he could get a shot of the, the hands coming up, panning up to the, the, you know, to the five eyeballs, whatever they were stock, the eyeball stocks coming on my head. So right. I had to play that. I could not see the piano and I kept saying, where's Art Tatum when you need him or somebody, you know, I could actually play without seeing the keys. Right. And the, and the key is C, which is the worst key to try to play without being able to see your hands. I would guess so. Yeah. There's nothing to feel. Yeah. It's not like, black keys yeah so uh yeah we did that and that was that was but then i did the scoring scoring session with bruce Broughton. he had written a theme and they redid it for that season it was, it was an incredible theme you know i thought you know his, oh the, uh, the writing for that show was just phenomenal yeah. and yeah. seth did or anything there were like 80 piece orchestras on everyone so i, I did some of those but yeah, that was uh that was quite the experience well, tell him we're all we're all anticipating a new season soon. Please bring. I will. I will. He he wants. I know he wants to do it. I keep seeing the blogs or whatever on that. So he yeah. he's yeah. gonna get get it, you know resurgence for it because it was uh it was it was quite the show you know. It really was started out as satire and then actually became a lot like the original Star Trek. I thought you know yeah. really thoughtful stories, but. I think we're officially digressing here on the yeah. on our well, podcast. Let's come on, but I'm going to bring you. But I'll be down. Okay. Yeah. Let yeah. me uh, invade the world of the. Is this lead bones or lead anything? Uh, pretty much, it's trombone. But there's another trumpet player here, John Dobrat. So we've got uh, oh. we've got all kinds of guests happening. So that's oh, cool. Trumpets are okay. They're all right, right? Trombones. <laughs> Tell uh, old, old Dan Foster I say hello. Oh yeah, we, I will. He, he subbed last week. On, we're playing in a band on, on Wednesday, and he subbed on that band and sight read everything. Just nailed it, you know. He's the best. I love yeah. him. So a couple of names to clarify there for our listeners. One, I mentioned Dan Foster. He's a great lead trumpet player, wonderful trumpet player who uh, was in a couple of my one o'clock lab bands. That's the other term to clarify. That is the top group at the University of North Texas that I had the honor of directing for a number of years. And on a couple of our albums, Dan was the lead player. Just fantastic. And now he's in the Las Vegas neighborhood doing his thing and making that wonderful voodoo that he do. Uh, so old Dan Foster, man, one of my favorite people. Speaking of favorite people, let's get back to Israel Butler. So... um. Let's see. We've covered a lot of stuff. How about in your, when did the uh, administrative facet of your skill set start to come to the fore? Is that just something that uh, you said, well, let me, let me start getting into some of this or where, was it offered to you? And then you just kept going that route or because for those that know, you're the director of the school of music at the university of Nevada in Las Vegas and a very prestigious and very important position. Uh, how did you get up to that point doing everything else you do? So um, kind of started when I started teaching, really. Um, mm. My first job at Jackson State in Mississippi, the, we had a couple of different department chairs, and one of them decided to have a council. Um, and he put me on the council as, you know, visiting assistant professor, my first year teaching, but he wanted me to wow. uh, be part of his council. And I was in charge of the applied studios and like orchestra. So kind of kind of early. And then I was the director of jazz studies um, at University of Mary. Mm. And then my next job was I was director of bands at University of Maryland Eastern Shore. Oh. And like my second year there, the guy that was the coordinator of the music, uh, the music was part of the Department of Fine Arts. So the chair was in fine arts, but the, we had a coordinator of music. That guy left, and um, I became the music 
coordinator. Wow. So I didn't I didn't have a, a real budget because the you know fine arts chair did, but I, I hired people and I, you know, took care of all the scholarships and kind of ran the program. Hmm. I got called to do to be a department chair in North Carolina. So that was oh, an okay. administrative position at North Carolina Central. And then uh Valdosta State, when when was that? That was a yeah, it was a couple of years ago. Um and I was the the, the department head there. Right. Man, so what a uh a long journey of getting some really stellar experience to uh no doubt help you out where you are now. That's great stuff. You know, my family is uh is from Hattiesburg down there, so I knew Jackson State well. I've got a lot of friends in, in Jackson. And yeah. uh great. Oh, always a great, great program. Great food down there too. And great food. That's catfish. Well, I, <laughs> Cat, catfish and hush puppies that's a yeah that's a and this place called stamps there was stamps and there was another place that had hamburgers like this big oh it's like bigger than my head yeah i'll need to ask my friend uh john fairbank he's a civil rights attorney in jackson i'll ask him it's called stamps it sounds stamps. like i need to go there I'm, <laughs> i must check this place out unlike our dear friend frank i i am a uh unabashed carnivore deluxe so i i'd be all over that burger man i i miss teaching um yeah. miss the interaction with the students well what I, is your load now is yeah. it uh, do you do any teaching along with administration or i do but it's I, i'd rather do more but yeah, um, yeah. I, I had i had two conducting students they had a conflict with the time so you know dave asked me to to take them on. It was supposed to be four, but it ended up being two, which was cool. And then I, then I mentored, um, we have a bunch of jazz combos here. Oh I yeah, think, sure. I think they have like 15. Wow. Man. Yeah. It's a lot. So I, I, I mentored one of the jazz combos, which that's was cool. cool. Yeah. That's, that's some fun teaching there. And I think I'm, I'm teaching uh, graduate jazz history next semester. Oh, cool. So that'll be, that'll be fun. Yeah. Man, that's wonderful. And and I'll be teaching some trombone. And since we're this is a trombone show, yeah. Uh, Earl Lessie is our distinguished artist in residence here. So oh. he, he was here. He was here for uh and I got the, the t-shirt on. This oh. says Joe, Joe's Tango. Oh, you can't see it because it's there it is. Yeah. Kind of kind of backwards. We'll uh, we'll take your word for it. Yeah. It's the UNLV Wind Orchestra. There um, it is. Yeah. Joe's Joe's Tango. Um, nice. The Chick Korea here. Yeah. Joe, Joe Planet for the first time with uh, with the wind orchestra. So he's he's here um, about six times a year. Wow. So students get to study with him. Um, and then Nathan Tanoi is is a fantastic performer um, and teacher. He plays all the shows that come through town um, and writes as well. He was writing for Celine Dion and tons of people. Mm. Wow. And then they also they can also study with me. Um, so they have some, some great teachers to, to pick from if they come to school here. And then Christian Lindbergh will be here on the 20th of January. Oh, recital, so talk about a daily regime. It's the, <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you seen that video? That's that's something, yeah, man. jumping yeah. in that the ice. Yeah, right. At, at his mansion. Yeah. I, I, I love Christian, man. So, yeah. so Joe, so Joe Alessi, one of the greatest in the entire universe, uh, you're going to be playing a piece uh, that, with the gateways. Is that true with your brass quintet? Yeah. Yeah. The, the ballad in blue from divertimento for Harmony Ridge. Nice. Cause we, we played at Midwest before COVID, but we were outside the exhibits. Mm. Oh, right. Yeah. The group was about two, two, two years old when we played. And uh, we were hoping just to get a, a you know a main stage concert. We didn't know we were going to get the the headline. That's <laughs> great. That's great, man. Congrats. Take we'll take it. That's right. An angel got its wings somewhere from that. That's wonderful. Uh, well, I, I, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be great. Um, and we have uh, more than utilized a lot of your time today. I don't want to take advantage of your time. We could talk all day. I know. Um, so since we are leadology and this is a whole setup and talking about lead playing, what's, let's, uh, 
close out my part of this and then see if Doc or John have some things they want to ask you. Um, your take on lead trombone playing in general, so young lead players that say, wow, I really want to specialize and learn about playing lead trombone. What's, uh, what's some thoughts you can toss their way? To be a lead player is to, the term lead is kind of also me as example. Mm. So you set the example for the sound and the style, but you also have to <clears throat> transmit what the lead trumpet is putting down to the lead alto. Um, yeah. And you also have to follow the lead alto sometimes. Right. And sometimes you have to bully the lead trumpet and make them <laughs> do uh, but mostly, mostly you're, you know, trombonists are diplomats. So you, you're, you know, yeah. compromising, you know, you want to make sure we can, you can hear the saxes that you're not covering them up, but you also, you, you know, yeah. sometimes be very strong. So you have to have a great sound, mm -hmm. you know, all, all the great lead players that I've played with just have the, you know, this beautiful sound <clears throat> yep. uh, and their own individual way of phrasing, mm -hmm. which is, you know, which is important. Yeah, I play the I play a lot of the stuff the way Dave Kime did because you know that's the tradition. You know, Grover Mitchell was standing there telling him how he wanted it, you know, done and mm. probably playing at him. And he was one of the great lead players. Kind of why I wanted to become a lead player, because I read about him in the in the in the ITA journal. They did Talk, a, talking a, about Grover. Grover Mitchell, yeah. Yeah. And I saw that, you know, he was in the Marine Corps and I was like, wow, you know, maybe I'll do that too. And ended up kind of following his footsteps in a way. Wow. Um, but yeah, you know, the the great players in New York, their their style of lead playing is all very different. Mm -hmm. um, Gary Valente. Mm, that's so a sound. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's like the sun coming out, you know, when he, <laughs> he lights. I used to, that's good man i used to watch that band at Birdland, and then i was subbing with them and sitting next to that you know was like whew. that's a yeah. sound that's for sure that's yeah. a sound yeah and then uh you know playing playing in the in the pits was was weird because these great lead players would come in and sometimes they'd be playing lead and sometimes i would wow like davis was a was a hero from from high school because my um joe barati the great yeah. bass drummer sure I, I was on the road with joe yeah he made me a mixtape of mike davis you know and then heard about the rolling stones and all this stuff yeah so I, I showed up to play the color purple one time and he was sitting there you know larry told me he's like yeah you, you're gonna play lead mike davis is in on second <laughs> like oh and he's warming up and he's got this the beautiful sound he's playing the warm-ups that doc you know showed him when he was a student yeah, and, or John Mosca sometimes would be in there. Oh, I love John's playing. Oh yeah, but just you know, to be a good lead player, you have to have sat with some good ones. True. Uh, I was I was lucky. I got to sit with you know Keith O'Quinn and oh man, Fitzgerald, all those guys. So we're talking about the uh, the the incredible New York scene right now. For for those that will be listening to this afterwards. And, yeah. and around the country, younger students, uh, what would you recommend um, how they can try to get that same, well, a similar experience by listening and maybe yeah. how to research that? Well, it's so easy now. I mean, right. when, when I was a kid, I would borrow my band director's Kendor tapes and it had the, the you know, the, all the Bob Mincer stuff. Right. And I would listen to that and, you know, those tapes, it, Eventually, it would come on and you know start talking, and like you only get part of the song. But uh, now with YouTube and Spotify and everything, yeah, immerse yourself in in listening. Um, but, you know, there's no substitute for live. You know, right. going to see the live performances and get in get in in there and 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 learn how to be a great third player. Mm. That's huge, isn't it? Yeah, because, you know, I'm a good third player. Mm. I know how to do that. Right. Uh, and I I can't say that I like it. Yeah. I like playing lead. But, yeah. Uh, 
but like you know guys will say man you know you made it so easy for me ah there you and, go and I, and I have written on a um i hoard music and and, and notes and stuff and i have mm -hmm. written down where tom urban told me one time you know make make the lead player lead trumpet player feel good oh make it, man make, it, make the lead trumpet player sound good yeah wow and that was from before I went to Eastman. I studied with Tom at the wow. university for a year. Um, but yeah, it, they have to. You have to pay your dues and 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 sit with the older players to get that sound and and phrasing. You have to really, you know, really study it just like you would, you know, the classical repertoire. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And you have to be able to solo. Sometimes you may not get one. Right. <laughs> But, Especially in a big band, yeah, I know you could sit yeah. there all night, and tenor player has sober. twenty yeah. solos for the lead tenor yeah. player, and it's like, oh man, yeah. come on, yeah, yeah. Depending what the set set was, you know, right? Yep. I mean, I, I used to have bass trombone solos when I first started seven with the, the Basie band. Oh, how and, cool is that? Yeah. Well, Bill Hughes was was you know running the he was the director, so all the yeah. trombones had solos. But yeah, you, you know just. There's nothing to replace that experience. And you have to be able to, the first thing is you have to be able to play your horn. Because, hmm. you know, you have to be able to have a, a great sound. Um, and like most of those guys that are great lead players also play classical trombone. Isn't that true? I've seen that more and more now. Yeah. That's a, that's a thing. Mosca went to Juilliard and studied, you know, played the Met as an extra player and wow um obviously mike davis plays great as keith recorded the music minus one stuff playing you know classical trombone i'm not not trying to leave any any guys out and just right well we were we were discussing that earlier i think doc we were talking about that with doc is just it it, it seems to lend itself to the trombone world a little bit more than many other worlds yeah. is that yeah it's kind of just a natural thing for the trombonist to branch out like that especially these days yeah. uh, with education what it is speaking of education some students that get to listen to this and they say i want to i want i, I want to hook up with dr butler and and unlv sounds very exciting to me what's uh the best thing that they what what do they need to do to get in touch Oh, they can email me. Um, it's at my name, Isrea, I-S-R-E-A, um, dot butler at U-N-L-V dot E-D-U. Great. And I'll, I'll put that on the website as well uh, with this podcast. And uh, anybody listening, man, that's what I'd recommend, is that you want to get in touch with the people that are doing these things that you love so much. And uh, Isrea Butler is a great place to start. Uh, Doc and Israel, anything you guys wanted to discuss? Well, I'm just amazed at uh, Israel's perseverance to to accomplish all he's accomplished over the last 20 years now. It's amazing. Hmm. Uh, it just shows you the dedication, no matter what field of music you want to go into, or really any endeavor, it's your drive and your perseverance that will get you to that magical end. And mm. Israel's have definitely arrived there. That's great to see. I'm so pleased about his, uh, his position in the world now. It's great. Amen. Amen. And Doc, rem remember the many times I would call him driving home from an audition, and, you know, he would always say, well, you know, set the pins up for the next alley and knock them down. Ah. Roll the ball again. Right. That is yeah, so cool. You know, I, I've taken a lot of interviews and a lot of auditions. It wasn't, you know, um, I, I tell this story sometimes when we do concerts. Um, I was second to last chair trombone in my middle school band there in Florida. Wow. And there, was this, there was this guy that was last year and he always wanted to, to do a chair challenge. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to be, you know, last chair. And a a substitute English teacher, Mr. Morris, saw me walking with my trombone to school and he gave me a mixtape. And I explained what a tape is to the younger people. Right. But it was it was the it was the the greatest, you know, big band era greatest hits. Wow. 
Wow. So with Glenn Miller, Ari Shaw, Cab Calloway, Duke Ellington, <clears throat> and Count Basie. And I, this was eighth grade, so I started practicing along with that. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And when I got to high school, I was now third out of ten. And then I just kept going. I didn't, you know, I didn't quit. But you know, I, I could have, could have easily, you know, given up being, you know, so low. You know, never, never gotten to all state. Oh you know, man, probably, really? Yeah, but I finally got into all county for for band and jazz band. Yeah. But you know, during the Marine Corps, and you know, when when my buddies were out having fun, I was practicing or drive driving up and down five, going to get lessons with, you know, Ralph Sauer, Bob McChesney, Andy Martin. Um, wow. Uh, Bob Sanders and um, man, the guys from the guys from the Philharmonic, Jeff Reynolds and so, Bruce, Bruce Paulson, which was, oh, you know, that's, quite a bit. Yeah. that's whose place I took to go with Doc's band was Bruce. Yep. Yeah, wow, that's there's a lesson right there. You you had the initiative to uh, to go out find these guys and go study with them. Yeah, and you that's know great. George. You know, I, I called up George, you know, when I got to town and he, he would come to the base and, and, you know, give me lessons. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That must've been beautiful. He, a, he never took, he never took a penny. Really? How about that, man? That's a thing, isn't it? That's, I, I saw that with slide too. That's a, it was a gentleman's thing. That's a, of a, of an older era. Yeah. Uh, somewhat, man, that's. That's incredible. What a what a wonderful journey, man. What a great story, uh, inspirational to me, and it should be to anybody else listening and uh, perseverance and and all the rest and never giving up. I love that one. You did never give up. Give up. Doc, Doc had something in his office that said that. <laughs> but, you know, my 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 elementary school music teacher told my mom that I wouldn't I wouldn't you know be good in music. Really? Oh man, see that probably did it right there. Did you hear about that as a young person? Did she tell you? She told me later, but I oh. I, I was in college, I think. But I ran into her son at at ITF one time. Oh, <laughs> at the Eastman, you know, Eastman Trombone Choir, and yeah, yeah. I'm that kid that you said would never make it in music. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't tell him that, but I, ah, I did that's... tell him. I did ask him, but and told him to say hello for me. Well, you know, you, and I tell the story because you can pour that good into the students and the belief, you know, this guy, he was the substitute English teacher, but he, you know, he saw that me with the trombone and he said, hey, you know, check this out. Mm. Um, and that, oh, and also I played with every band that was on that tape. Wow. How like about that? Literally, literally played in some way with gig or toured or whatever with with every band that was on that um man that. so you, i mean you can program yourself you know whether intentional or not you know for that for for good or for bad i guess um this is what my wife preaches all the time it's a, it, if you let the negative uh live in your heart too much it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy right that's wonderful. So you were positivity and perseverance all the way, man. That's that's great. Yeah. Another guy told me to, you know, to give up to 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 go and do, you know, going to computers or something. Hmm. He was a great great trombone player, um, principal of a big orchestra. Mm -hmm. But I didn't I didn't listen. Other people said, oh yeah, you know, New York City's hard. You know, you don't you know you don't want to. It's hard to break into the scene. But I was subbing on Broadway in six months. Wow, good for you, man. That's well, you know, it is hard. It is hard to break in unless you you come in there prepared, with an attitude like yours and ready to hit it. And well, yeah, you got a network too. I mean, I knew people yep. before I got there. Right. Oops. Obviously, and uh, you know, pick Who up you know? the phone, and talk, pick up the phone, and 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 talk to people. Right. Man. I caught up, caught up one guy, and he was like, "Well, you know, it's usually not. This is not the way it usually works. You know, usually, some 
uh, I call it a band leader. He's like usually the guys in the section, you know, but then I end up being his first call sub. Right. Right. It's it's not sitting around hoping for the best. It's getting out there and, and making those relationships. And oh. man, that is that's so inspirational. And it's it's a beautiful community too, really, when you get right yes. down to it. You know, you become a part of it and it's a family. Uh we're always there for each other one way or another. The trombone brotherhood and sisterhood is is a real thing. It really is. And it's very strong. And it's a uh, uh yep keeps me yeah. going that's for sure the, the guys here are great too I got you know my friend kurt miller who's mm -hmm. been like the first call guy for for since the 70s here in wow Vegas. he's he's helped me get on the scene and some several other cats too so yep great. Well, and your your faculty there at unlv is phenomenal that's i would think a lot of them yeah. are connected in the area too oh yeah they're wonderful wonderful players <clears throat> Man. Well, I think we're going to we're going to close it off here and let you let you get on back home. And uh Doc, I'm so glad you could be here. What a treat. Thanks, Doc. I was glad, I'm glad I could be here. Best of luck, Israel. Thank you, Doc. Appreciate everything you've done. And yeah, great. And thank you, Israel Butler. Thank you, John Marcellus, Dave Loeb, everybody who was involved. And that ends Part two of the very first debut podcast, Leadology Podcast. Um, I would like to thank the good folks at Elmhurst University who make this podcast possible. And once again, I'd like to thank all of you, all of y'all, as they would say in my homeland down there in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I'd like to thank all y'all for being here and checking out the podcast. Man, there's going to be a lot more coming in the future. So stick around, take note, put it on your calendar, and um, we're going to see you at the next Leadology podcast where we talk trombone about trombone to trombonists. Take it away, Stevie! Podcast is a production of Weast World Productions 2024.